Hello and welcome to Victoria's Living Christian Center's Victoria's Living Podcast. Victoria's Living Christian Center is a church that strives to stand for goodness and is committed to encourage and show a better way. A church whose vision is to see God's people living a victorious life. This is accomplished through community outreach, education, healthy living, and support groups while still providing spiritual growth. Our goal is to meet the needs of man, spiritually as well as naturally. So welcome and enjoy. Good evening and welcome to Victoria's Living Christian Center Gospel Bible Chat Room. I am Pastor Ruth Gartner. We are here um january the second happy new year to everyone i hope everybody enjoyed their holidays as we took a break from our bible study but now we are back and we are continuing on with our book study on the secrets to, Ge- to generational curses by apostle alexander Pagani. so we're going to open up in prayer and get started amen amen heavenly father we thank you for allowing us to come together once again father we thank you for um, allowing us to cross over into this new year. Father, we pray many special blessings for this year and, and, and the weeks and months to come. Father, we thank you for allowing us to be united and come together as one, once again, to learn of you, to study, to gain more knowledge, to gain more wisdom, to gain more revelation. Father, we thank you, oh God, for for your grace and your mercy, Father, we pray, oh God, that you will have your way on tonight. We pray that you will open our hearts, open our minds, open our ears, open our spirits so that we may hear from you on tonight. Father, we pray, oh God, that if we find anything in us that does not resemble you, if we are reading and going over this lesson, lesson and we find anything that is a reflection of ourselves, Father, we ask for your forgiveness. We ask that you would Put it on our hearts. Give us a, a forgiving heart, a heart of, of repentance um, in the name of Jesus. As we go through this lesson, Father, I pray that you would allow us to, to be open to what you want us to receive on tonight. Father, we thank you. We pray over the, the speaker and the teacher on tonight. We ask that you would give her clarity of thought, clarity of speech. Father, I pray against any demonic spirit in the name of Jesus that would try to distract, that would try to disrupt. Father, I pray that you would touch her body, strengthen her in the mighty name of Jesus. We pray against any demonic attack right now in the name of Jesus, even for Pastor John. We pray, oh God, that you would touch his body from the crown of his head to the soles of his feet and bring healing, oh God, from the crown of his head to the sole of his feet. Father, we pray for healing. We pray, pray, oh God, a special blessing on them both. We thank you, Lord, for their faithfulness and continue to bless them. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you, Elder. Thank you, Elder. So, chapter seven, my God, that's all I can say. I had to pause and read and pause and read, repent, pray, cry, but I managed to get through the first part we are right now covering the seven abominations that that's as far as we got up to the chapter um title is category categorization of iniquity and curses and the first half that we covered covered the seven abominations that the lord hates um so before we get into that um he had some scriptures in the opening of his chapter that um talked about curses and i'm going to just go ahead and start with that uh genesis 4 uh verses 11 through 13 says now you are cursed and banished from the ground which has swallowed up your brother's blood no longer will the ground yield good crops for you no matter how hard you work from now on you will be homeless wanderer on the earth cain replied to the lord my punishment is too great for me to bear um, this scripture is taken from when um, after Cain slew Abel and God called unto him and asked him that famous question is, where is your brother? And Cain replied, am I my brother's keeper? 
and he realized what Cain had done with Abel because the blood of Abel was crying out from the earth. So this is where God had pronounced a curse upon Cain for murdering his brother. The other scripture is coming from Malachi 2 and 2. Listen to me and make up your minds to honor my name, says the Lord of heaven armies, or I will bring a terrible curse against you. I will curse even the blessings you receive. Indeed, I have already cursed them because you have not taken my warning to heart. Now that one is a scary one. Because um, he says, even the blessings you receive, I've cursed. So it, it, yeah, that is, uh, that is a warning to um, us as saints, as people who are confessing Christ, people who are considering themselves as quote unquote Christians, because the fact that they fail to honor his name. And he says, listen to me and make up your minds to honor my name. Like what you gonna do? Whose side are you on? Who are you gonna serve? Are you gonna honor me or you're not? Because if you don't, I want to bring a terrible curse against you. And even the blessings you receive will be cursed. And then it says, indeed, I have already cursed them because you have not taken my warning to heart. Those are those who, who God has warned. God will send a word of warning. God will send uh, an opportunity for people to repent. Send an opportunity for people to change their minds or regroup or change the direction that they're heading and because they refuse God brings about a curse there is nothing worse than having the creator of the universe curse you and banish you um and that's true I mean I don't know about anybody I would rather man be mad at me I would rather people stop talking to me I don't care if it's my mother my father, my sister, brothers, I don't care. They want to ostracize me or banish me or whatever. I don't care. I'd rather them do it than have God himself do it. Because uh, they don't have a heaven or hell to put you in. But God does. And that's something that um, we, use, we used to use as a phrase when we were coming up. They ain't got a heaven or hell to put you in. Don't worry about them. You know, and uh, that is true. But if you're not careful, they would cause you to miss out on heaven. They don't necessarily put you in it, but they can cause you to miss out on it. But God has the ultimate, the final say-so concerning where your soul will end up. Um, it's up to you which decision you want to make. It's up to you on which path you're going to take because God does give us the ability to choose but at the end result, the, the judgment, the verdict is the final say so. And that comes from the Lord. So um, we know that he is the source of all life. He's the giver. Uh, Bible, uh, the book says he's the giver of all blessings and favor. And to have him personally curse you must have been an extreme burden to bear. And the one that Cain told him, your punishment is too much for me to bear. To have your creator ordain a punishment that is custom built just for you would have caused anyone to feel completely abandoned. Um, he talks about, then he goes in and talks about the story about Cain and Abel and what happened and the reason why. And for some of you who do not know, it, it dealt with sacrifices. Abel gave it first uh, of his flock and it was a sacrifice, an animal sacrifice where Cain gave him the crops and, and um, the Lord accepted the sacrifice of Abel more so than the sacrifice offering of Cain. And because of that, Cain became jealous and he became angry and he killed his brother out of it, out of the anger and rage that he felt, uh, the, the rejection that he felt coming from um, the, the acceptance of his uh, offering. 
Um, something that he said that he said, and I wonder, it kind of brought my attention. That, no, I read that. I read it in the, in the Bible. It talked about the offering, something that stuck out with me about that offering. And it, I read it, but I kind of like, it kind of jumped out at me about the offering, the type of offering that was, that was given. Um, the sacrifice um, that God requires. Um, but I'm going off, of course, let me just remind my mind back in. <laughs> Let me run my mind back in. Because there was something about the offering that 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 made it, it kind of opened my my eyes to something. It kind of pegged my thought, you know, my thought process about the offering, about how um, Abel gave him a blood sacrifice. He gave him a, a, a sacrifice of life and Cain didn't give him a sacrifice of life. And God requires a living sacrifice. Well, anyway, that's where that's that's where I was going with that. Anyway, getting back to the lesson. Um, um one of the things that um he talks about is about being ignorant. There are many ways in which Christians can become cursed, but only one way that opens the door to all of them. And it could be found in one word, ignorance. What you don't know can hurt you. Ignorance is not a luxury that Christians can afford. Our future destiny depends on us totally submitting to the Holy Spirit and making sure that no hindrance or stumbling block can thwart or detour, detour it. The Holy Spirit's role is to make sure the believer isn't caught by surprise in the same manner that a person is caught by surprise when a doctor informs them that they have cancer. So the Holy Spirit forewarns us. He leads us, he guides us, he forewarns us. He gives us little hints and clues and, and, and helps us and directs us into the right way. You know, ignoring the Holy Spirit can really be detrimental in your walk because the Holy Spirit is there as a guide. The Holy Spirit's there to lead. And if you ignore what the Holy Spirit is saying, sorry. And if we ignore what the Holy Spirit is saying, um, we can mess up our, on, our, on our walk and we can miss out on what God really has for us and what God is trying to lead us and, and guide us into. As cancer alters the life of the person once diagnosed, so can generational curses alter the life of a Christian if left unresolved. So if you have something that you know of a generational curse or something that's working in your family bloodline or something that's working in you and you do not deal with it, do you do not resolve it or you correct it or address it, it can be um, a life-altering experience. Um, anyone have any questions or anything you want to talk about? Any inputs at this moment? Not yet. Nope. Okay. So, um, so let's talk about the seven abominations. I don't want to read word from word, but I'm looking at some things in the in the lesson tonight. I'm trying to talk about so one thing he says before we go into the seven abominations about about the devices and about being ignorant. Um, it's important to understand what the word says and it's important to understand what it means 
in, in its text, not in what, you know, some people pull out. Like we had a, a situation where um, a young lady, um, we were at the store the other day and a woman came to me and she had a prophetic word and she was ministering to me. A lady didn't know, didn't know from a can of paint, came out of nowhere and she just started ministering to me and she was saying some things that were accurate and, you know, was confirmed. But then she went kind of like to the left and she said something and she took something out of text. And um, at that point we were like, all right, uh. <laughs> that was with Elder Joy and we were listening to her and she was really saying some things that was encouraging, that was true. You know, God was definitely there using her, but she said something out of text and that's something. And because of the fact that we are not ignorant, we knew at that point it was like, okay, Elvis has left the building. Now she's, she's shifted into flesh. And um, so we have to be careful that what we when we speak the word, when we use the word, when we minister the word, that we keep it in its textual meaning. I mean, sometimes a word will, a scripture or a verse will come and it, will, it has a prophetic undertone. It does, it really does. But at the same time, we have to be careful and make sure that it's prophetic and not something that you are opinionated behind. Are you ready to say something else, Joy? I saw you took your mic off. Okay. All right. So yeah, I, I was I was trying to find it because Pastor Vlad just posted something on YouTube. Um he put here, Jesus fought the devil by quoting the scripture in context. When the devil tempted Jesus, he quoted the scripture out of context. It was just when you were talking about it, it just made me think of that what he said and I'm like that is so true because if you think about it it still applies to that anybody that has a gripe with the bible or doesn't like or tries it they always fight believers by taking the scripture out of context and so those who are knowledge of the word have to come back like that's wrong <laughs> you know that, mm -hmm. that's that's it that's it that's why it's important to really, really study the word. That's why it's very, very important that you take time out and you read the word and get an understanding because people will say things to you that are not, it's not, it's scripture, but it's not the scriptural meaning of it. Like it'll fit the situation, but it's out of context. And what we mean by out of context is like, that's not the true meaning of that scripture. That's not the original meaning of what the scripture was written in the Bible, why it was, or, or the it was not pertaining to this per se, this situation was pertaining to something totally different. And people will take that scripture and apply it to a situation that is way off from what the original meaning or the intent of the scripture or the quote was uh, the original intent of it. It's far from what it was originally intended and what the situation around it surrounding it for the reason for the scripture to be said so and like i was saying sometimes in rare cases oh scripture can be pulled out and it's a prophetic um scripture it's, it's a word that's prophetic but even with that somehow some way there's a connection to this to the to the original context and the prophetic word so um and that comes through reading and studying Yes, God will move, the Holy Spirit will move, and sometimes God will drop things in your spirit, but it's only if you know the word, you have to know the word, because once again, it pulls from somewhere. It has to pull from the, it has to be a withdrawal from the bank, and there's no thing, there's nothing deposited in that bank, it ain't got nothing to withdraw from. Am I making sense? That's why it's important to read your word, take time and study your word. So when the time comes, you know, Jesus was able to, to uh, say it is written because he had a bank. He had a deposit. He had a whole bunch of deposits. So he could withdraw from his bank and say, it is written. When you're combating the enemy and the enemy comes at you, just like uh, Elder was saying, he was saying the scripture out of context, but Jesus knew that. He was saying it out of context. That's why he was able to reply back. 
with the word in context. So, um, yeah. So anyway, the seven abominations, there are seven things that the Lord hates. It's in Proverbs chapter six um, and it's verses 16, 16, 16, 16 through 19. Proverbs 6, 16 through 19. Um, there are seven abominations and we, and as, as the author had mentioned earlier, um, all of these abominations will produce generational curses. Every last one of them. Okay. They also are treated as the seven, the real, the real seven deadly sins. So, um, so distasteful are they to him. They cause them abominable. You might never have connected these seven sins with the power to initiate a curse, but scripture is clear. They can, they can and will cause a curse to be activated. So let's look at it closely now. Proverbs 6, 16 through 19. This is the English standard version that I'm reading. There are six things that the Lord hates, seven that are an abomination to him, haughty eyes, a lying tongue, and hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that derives wicked plans, feet that makes haste to run to evil, a false witness who breathes out lies, and one who sows discord among brothers. So let's take a look. That's what we're going to be focusing on tonight are the seven abominations the Lord hates. So first one is haughty eyes. And I didn't know this. This is very interesting. Um, the term haughty eyes denotes the act of looking down on people, having this puffed up air. So to have haughty, haughty eyes means viewing oneself better than others. This can be for many reasons, including things such as finances, family pedigree and education where one feels better than someone else. The parable of the tax collector and the Pharisee makes the point clear in the prayer the Pharisee prays. Lord, thank you. I'm not like the tax collector, tax collector because, you know, you already know his self-righteous prayer. So haughty eyes is not necessarily about having eyes that are haughty, but rather having a higher perception of oneself over others. That's the point. That's the point right there. Not so much as looking down, but as also as having a perception of that you are better than. Because you can have a hearty eyes and look down on a person, um, you know, but you also fabricate who you are. Like you you puff yourself up and you think you all of this and then some. Like you're better than what you really are. You're not all that, but you think you're all that. So that's haughty eyes. Um, and this not only goes for individuals, but also applies to organizations, family, churches, I've known of churches that felt that they were better than that. There's some holiness churches that feel that they're the only ones that are going to heaven. Everybody else is going to hell. There's some denominations that feel that they're better than the other denominations. I mean, that's a very dangerous uh, territory to be, be in. Um, in the Old Testament, we find God advising the children of Israel not to act superior over the foreigner living among them. And God would judge all Israelites who treated the foreigners with disdain. You know, I think the sin of racism can be rooted in this, this abomination where one race feels superior to others. While movements such as the KKK have theologies built on the superiority of the white race and other races, 400 years of slavery has resulted in the rise of other movements that perpetuate the same racial superiority. Such as the fruit, such as fruit of Islam, Black Hebrew Israelites, Hispanic identity movements, and so on. So what he's saying here that even though we were enslaved, we now have taken on this feeling of superiority. 
because the purpose of the movement um, with the African, African American culture was that, okay, we were in slavery and we were enslaved for so long. So let's, you know, we're not that type of person. Let us have some type of, of uh, what's the word I'm trying to say? Uh, pride in ourselves or we're better than that. We're not just slaves. We're not, you know, dogs and we're not, shouldn't be treated that way that we should be treated with respect. Okay, let's cap it right there. But some have taken it further to the point where, oh, we are the, the better race. Um, we are the original Hebrews, you know, and they take and they brought it up to a level of haughtiness. Am I making sense? Where, okay, yes, we were enslaved and we had gone through 400 years. I'm not knocking that. God knows my parents and my grand, grandparents lived through that. But um, there was a sense of self-pride. We were, what was instilled with us, even with, Mar even with Martin Luther King and the movement with him, he was not trying to say that we were better than, he was saying that we were just as equal as. And that's what his fight was. And that right there, yeah, that's good. Equality, that's what his fight was all about being equal with man. We're not dirt, we're not dogs, we're not treated we should not be treated as the inferior race. We should be treated as equal. And that's where Martin Luther King capped it. He left it right there. But after him, there was others that were in the black movement that made it seem like we were better than it. So now we're moving into this area of haughty eyes, a haughtiness, thinking that we're better than white people. And that, you know, um, even with the... Um, through the Islam and, and the other one where he said Hispanic identity movements, they, they've been... We've been oppressed for so long that we we've come up to this point where people have of our of our race, of our culture have come along and encouraged us to not think of ourselves as being inferior, as not think of ourselves as being so low down and you know of the of the dirt and all that, but but we are just as good as, you know, we're just as equal as, not better. But then there's some that's come behind that. And now they're pushing the agenda of that we're better. And that's where, um, you know, this is what he's talking about. And this is what we are seeing. So we have now the, the table of racism has now begun to flip. So now, you know, even though originally white people were racist against blacks, now we got blacks being racist against white people and they're now switching roles where they're feeling they're the superior ones and that the white man is inferior it's one thing to have national pride about one's race country and identity but quite another when you feel superior to the other races cultures and nationalities this is what he's saying and i, I agree we find this sin very prevalent in jesus time between the jews and the samaritans if you're reading this and the Holy Spirit is convicting you of this sin, repent and ask him to sliver any curse that might be working in your life. The following prayer will help. So if you find yourself in this, 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 this place where you think you're better than, and you're looking down on people and you know, you have this haughty eyes, you need to pray and repent. Amen. Any questions about that? Do you understand what I'm saying? questions uh, i wanted to interject at one point but i'm like nope it's already late and not that that's a whole rabbit hole of a conversation but yeah <laughs> everything that say what i agree with everything that you said yeah yeah because that's what's happening now you know Martin Luther, he stuck at equality. He didn't go all this, all this. And I think that's where the Black Panther movement did. I think they, you know, kind of went, they tipped over the tables. And I think that's why they didn't, I'm not, I may be wrong, but if I'm not wrong, if the history, if I'm right with history, I think that's why Martin Luther King was on one side of the scale and the Black Panthers on another side because they wanted to rise up the Black Panthers, but Martin Luther King wanted to be peaceful and he, all he wanted was everybody to be treated the same. Yeah. I think, I'm not, I, I think they were 
if I'm not mistaken, that whole power to the people thing was rooted in like Marxism. Mm -hmm. And they were coming with that socialist ideology that the, the power belonged to the people and not the government. And that's mm -hmm. kind of my fault. Again. Okay. Okay. All right. Okay. Yeah. That's what I said. It's a whole rabbit hole of a conversation. <laughs> it is. It's a whole rabbit hole of conversation. But um, but in the text, in this in this particular example, what he was saying was that the tables were flipping because of the oppression of the slavery. Um, but there's nothing wrong, like you said, there's nothing wrong with having pride in yourself and you know, but just don't think you're better than any other race. You know, there's nothing wrong with acknowledging who you are and acknowledging your culture. There's nothing wrong with that. But when you act like it's the only top notch, everybody else is, you know, trash, then that's where you're falling into that spirit of, of and the abomination of having haughty eyes, which God hates, which is really the the crux or the main point of this. He hates it. So, yes. The second one is a lying tongue. The second abomination is bearing false witness about oneself and is usually directed as intentional misleading others. So when you're lying about yourself, you're 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 um, deceiving someone else. Everyone lies and some lies can be perceived as lies and are quickly not believed by the hearers. But then there are lies that whole cultures and systems are built around. This is a big one too. An example of this is social media. <laughs> social media. Ooh, do anybody, is it me or is, is everybody getting this about social media? Social media is the devil. <laughs> social media is the antichrist. I'm sorry. <laughs> Every time you see a bunch of mess, it's social media is at the root of it. I mean, seriously, here I am, we're on Zoom, right? But I'm saying, it's just like, some people really get on this social media thing and they really fabricate themselves. Pastor John, you may say something. Social media is a tool that they use. And even as we get through some of these other things, I start to see a lot of our governmental structure in this. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. and where you see it sir please interject and let me and, and bring it out okay because i i do too especially among ministers where christian influencers fabricates the success of their ministry thus creating an illusion among other ministries whereby some sort of influence is given but truly their ministry is nothing more than a result of a lying tongue A lying tongue. Everyone seems to be on social media. Now, I'm not saying social media is wrong, but I am saying that a lying tongue is strong there. Some people can even make a living on lying. Many people lie about themselves when dating a new person. Many lie on re resumes and get hired for jobs they're not qualified to do. Heaven considers a lying tongue an abomination because it creates huge disappointment for those who have been lied to. Living a lie, believing a lie is dangerous and the extremity of the lie can potentially influence this, the severity of the curse. Pray this prayer and break the power of lie. Once again, if you find yourself fabricating the truth about yourself, making yourself be to, pretending to be more than what you really are, that's pretty much the lying tongue, you know? When you're, when you're, like you said, lying on your resume, you know, to get the job. No, you ain't got no experience, but you lie and said you did. He hates that. He hates when you lie to make yourself look better than what you really, truly are. Be honest. I remember <laughs> that movie, Just Friends, when the mother tells, when the, <laughs> I'm sorry, when the dude, what's his name? I can't remember his name, but the character played by Ryan Reynolds, he was trying to impress the girl, like he's an excellent uh, 
hockey skater. He can play hockey really well and this, that, and other. And he wanted to impress her. And she was like, just be yourself. Be yourself. <laughs> and he rented, he tried to low-key act like he just rented that Porsche for no reason. <laughs> right. He rented a Porsche. You know, you know, it was just like he was lying about himself. You know, he was still... The, 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 and when you look at it, he was still the goofy, down-to-earth guy that he always was. He just, you know, he he made himself better. He was teased. He was mocked when he was younger, and he that that hurt him. He 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 felt that spirit of rejection. Let me get a word out of this. Felt the spirit of rejection, so he went out into the world to try to better himself, but only to find out that it was really still not. Um, filling that void that was in him as he still had feelings for the girl and he tried to impress her and make her make him seem like he was all this and that and and, and it didn't it had the opposite effect on her but when he became just himself and he humbled himself and just became who he was really just you know whatever his name was i can't remember his name um it worked out for the best best for him and he realizes that okay so so just be yourself, you know, just be yourself. You know, we, we, we want to be more, we want to show ourselves as being more in the limelight on social media and all that stuff. We want to show ourselves being more than what we are in the world to others so that, you know, we can get the likes, we can get the followers, we can get, we can get the appointments, you know, um, you know, we can get called on, you know, we, we want to, instead of letting God, you know, our gifts will make room for us. You know, that's the scripture that, you know, our gifts will make room for us. We don't have to go out here and, you know, get all this, do all this stuff to impress people, to make people think that we're more than what we are. And, you know, just to be out there in, in this, in the circuit, you know, just to be out there, this is our name out there, you know, you know, people say your name is blowing in the wind. I mean, I, okay. <laughs> Before, and I'm be honest with you, and, and, and I probably, you know, I don't know. I, I just have a new, my attitude has changed. It's, it's like, I don't know whether it's for the good or for the bad, but it's like, I'm not impressed when, you hear, oh, your name is blowing in the wind, and, and and I'm like, okay, okay. Before it was like, thank you, Jesus. Yes, yes, my name is getting out there. Yes, I'm being transparent now. Yes, my name is getting out there. That means people are gonna call me. I'm gonna have this big ministry. I'm gonna be out there. I'm gonna be going out and doing this and traveling here and doing all this. Yes, my name is in the wind, you know, and I'll be excited and and ain't nobody called me. <laughs> yet <laughs> so I'm like so now when I hear that I'm like oh okay like I don't know it's just I'm maybe you know I'm going you know I'm staying on my sandbox moment but it's just some things that you know we have to we have to protect ourselves you know we have to protect what is God saying because People will say things, you know, and they mean well, and it's encouraging, but is it really God saying it? So that's why it's important that you have a relationship with God. You have the relationship with God because people say some things and they mean well, but sometimes it's just, it's be honest, it's just not God. And then, you know, and then it like kind of gets your hopes up high and then it never happens. And then you're like, okay, is it something I did? Is it at my off? What am I doing? And then you go down this, you know, self-examination thing. But know what God says. Okay, I'm done. I'm sorry. Sorry, I didn't mean to say all that, but yeah. Shedding innocent blood, number three. The shedding of innocent blood goes beyond abortion, okay? Though abortion fits in the sin category and will produce a generational curse because abortion is murder 
It goes much further from Uriah the Hittite, whom David murdered to cover up his sin of adultery with Bathsheba, to Neboth, whom Jezebel had killed in order to make his vineyard for her husband, King Ahab. This abomination is a vile stench in God's nostril. The murder of Naboth moved heaven so much that God began laying out a plan to kill Jezebel through Elijah. Um, so yeah, so when they use this, this one, a lot of people refers this to the shedding of blood, innocent blood is like, you know, abortion, but it's more than just abortion. It's, it's when people are, when innocent people are murdered, look what happened with Cain and Abel. Abel was innocent. Abel didn't do anything wrong, but Cain slew him out of anger, jealousy, whatever, however, whatever one you want to tag to it. He killed the innocent blood, you know, and Nobob, Nobob was definitely innocent. He wanted, King Ahab wanted to buy his land and he told him no. He told the king, no, I'm sorry, it's not for sale. And so the king was disappointed. You know, he was saddened by it. He accepted. Now, here's the thing. The king accepted it. He's like, all right, well, I really don't want to buy your land, but okay, if you want to sell, okay, that's no problem. Jezebel. <laughs> well, her hot self. Like, What's the matter, honey? Well, you know, I want a neighbor off land, but he won't sell it to me, but you know, whatever. Well, I'm going to get you that land, boo. I'm going to get it for you. He got the man killed. I mean, I'm paraphrasing, but that's pretty much what happened. Don't yeah, one, <laughs> one, part, one part you missed, mom. Good. After he was denied, he was moping around all depressed and sad. Like yeah. a child. And that's when Jezebel asked him. I'm like, he's sitting over there moping around. He really depressed and, and yeah. just the man said no. Yeah, he said, All right, well, you know, I really wanted that land, but you know, he said no, so you know. Boy, you don't go sit down somewhere. Um, but <laughs> I mean, but that's how it was. He was just like, he was sad by it. it. was, yeah, he was depressed and moping and, you know, moping around like, you know, all sad, like, like, like having a pity party. And, and it caught Jezebel's attention. But here's the thing, Jezebel, Jezebel, his wife, she ain't his mother. She was like, I'm going to get it for you, boo-boo. Don't worry, I'm going to get it for you. you know? <laughs> John, I hear you laughing. <laughs> That's pretty much okay. Go read it. I'm I'm just saying, y'all laughing at you laughing at me, Francis John. I hear you laughing through the walls, but y'all, you you go read it. And when you read it, that's exactly the picture you get. When you visualize it, that's exactly the picture. Like Joe, like Elder Joy was saying, he walked around there moping, all depressed. And you know, he she was like, I'll get it, I'm gonna get it for you. And I know she was like, I'm gonna get it for you, boo. And had that man killed. Had two people lie. They lied on him. Okay. Once again, that's another one abomination, sore of discord. That's number um seven. The two two witnesses lied on him and said that he blasphemed God. And you know that if you blaspheme God according to Jewish law, that's death by stoning. You're put to death. So they stoned this man. And they lied, they lied and said he blasphemed God, which he didn't, and they killed him with which he he shouldn't have it was crazy and then he gives the land and so Jezebel gives the land to um Ahab and even with that Ahab didn't get away with it because Ahab because God told Ahab oh you gonna take this land <laughs> you know your wife killed this man before and you still gonna take this land oh you're gonna get killed too and not only that the dog's gonna lick your blood with the same spot where Naboth was so slew that dog's gonna come and lick your blood in that same spot. And not only that, the dog's gonna eat your wife's flesh, but they're gonna lick up your blood in the same spot y'all killed Naboth in. Read the book. Where is it? What chapter is that in? First Kings 21. First Kings chapter 21. It says, verse 19, where it says, Because you have done this, dogs will lick your blood at the very place. Where they licked the blood of Nabal. That's that's 21. That's first first Kings 21, 19. That's scripture. That's what he said. 
That's what God said to Ahab. When he went to go over there, he went bouncing over there like he all happy. He got the land. He, oh, I got the land. Ooh, I got the land. And he's like, oh, oh you going to take this land? <laughs> oh, oh, you going to take this land? <laughs> and you knew your wife lied on this man. You going to take it anyway? Oh, all right. <laughs> Bet. So he cursed. He had already planned out a curse for Jezebel and Nabal because that's how bad and how treacherous that was. That whole thing. This man was innocent. He had good land. He was minding his own business. The king wanted it. He told him it wasn't for sale. And because of that, they killed him and took his land. And then it talks about Cain and Abel. And um, he made another point too about uh, shedding of innocent blood. When a man commits fornication that leads to pregnancy, and then tells his girlfriend to abort the child, he is just as guilty as the pregnant girlfriend. Both parties are guilty of shedding innocent blood and will always produce a curse. So, you know, so those guys, you know, fooling around or those husbands fooling around with their mistress and the mistress mess around, get pregnant. And the husband tells the mistress to go get rid of it and get an abortion. And the mistress go get an abortion. He's just as guilty as the mistress. So they both produce a curse. That's why lots of times when you see that happen, marriages begin to crumble and fail. Things start to happen in the marriage. Things start to happen in a man's life because of what he's done. He shed innocent blood. So. So. In all countless delivery sessions we've conducted, a woman who suffered an abortion 100% of the time, there were wounds of guilt, shame, loss, and grief for having killed an innocent life. And almost always there will be a demon manifesting when confronted. If you committed any form of shedding innocent blood, just know you are under a generational curse and need to repent and renounce what you or your ancestors have done in this sin and apply the finished work of Christ on the cross. Stand on the word of God. Finally, pray the following prayer and let's break the curse. So there's, there's hope, repentance and prayer, repentance and prayer. Okay, number four, any questions with that? Anybody have any comments about that? No. Okay, all right. Moving on, wicked plans. This sin takes on different forms as it means having a strategic plan in place for someone for some future benefit. Some plans can take decades to come to fruition. Evil regimes and governments often set plans in order that solely benefit them in the future. Mm, here we go. Talk about the government. <laughs> um. Uh-oh, 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 sorry. I'm, let, me, let me fix this. Sorry, I was moving my, my, uh, my little book prop and I was on my keyboard here making chimes. Okay, so. Whole countries are dominated by such wicked plans. People of authority scheme wicked plans to keep those under them in bondage. Ooh, wait. I know one system. I know one system that was created. Sorry, I had to take some water. I know one system that was created and it is still in effect today. And that's welfare. That was a system that was created to keep people in poverty. All of this, and, I, and, I, and I'm and I'm, I'm going to be honest with you, it's a good system, but you, you yourself have to have the mindset of this is only temporary. This is only temporary. Because you can get sucked in there and get stuck in the system and you will never, ever get out of it 
and you are stuck and you've gone down a rabbit hole. Now, welfare is to help those that are in need, families that, you know, that are in need. Yes, it is a good tool to help you get yourself together, to help you get on your feet. That's why they had, they had, um, came up with all these different programs to help you go to school. You know, sometimes at one point they were paying to go to school. You can get a trade or you can get a skill. They pay for while you go to school, you know, to help you get up on your feet. And I think all those programs now have gone away. Um, I remember I was on welfare. I was on welfare temporarily. I needed help. I wasn't working. And I, you know, I needed some um, prenatal care and I went on welfare for it. And once I got myself together, once I got, you know, got myself right and got a job, I got right off of it. I did not allow myself to stay stuck in that system because if you get stuck in that system, you are stuck in that system. And it is, it is not a good thing to be stuck in that system because now you, you're only given a certain amount of money and and when you try to, to get out of it and try to do something um, better to better yourself, lots of times you're not qualified. So um, it, it's, it's a governmental thing. <laughs> um, and it can be used to your benefit. It really can, but you have to be careful because you can get stuck in that thing. And if you get stuck in there, it's, I've seen people have even, it, it even, and it's, and it's, like I said, it's the mindset of the people too, as well, because there are some people who I know women that have had multiple children to get more money from the government. Because you get a certain amount of money per child, per household. The larger the household, of course, the more money you get. And I've seen people have multiple, this is back in the day. I don't know what they're doing nowadays, but this is when I was coming up. They were having, they were purposely having multiple kids so that they can get more money. And they were just sitting at home collecting welfare. They weren't trying to get a job. They wasn't trying to get a trade. They weren't trying to any of that. And then afterwards, shortly after they came up with these programs and they were telling people, you're going to have to get involved in the program or we're going to cut your benefits. And I don't know what happened at that point because I had kind of pretty much was off of it and was living, you know, going, I'd gone to school, you know, God bless me. And I was able to get myself together, get a good job. And I didn't need the assistance anymore, but it was, it was crazy. And it, and it was like in like the the um, socioeconomic challenged areas, there were people that were just sitting around, just on welfare, wasn't trying to find a job, um, just drugs, drinking, you know, just all kinds. It was it was bad, it was bad what I saw on, on in the system. So to me, that I felt the system failed. It just it it. it it um, crippled people more so than helped them. And that's why I said it was like a, a wicked plan. And I feel that it falls under this category because it didn't help at all. It kept people in a, in a, in a poverty, poverty stricken mindset. So anyway, um, Where am I? Okay. So uh, whole countries are dominated by such wicked plans, people, authority schemes, wicked plans to keep them under, oh, wait a minute. People of authority scheme wicked plans to keep those under them in bondage. So they come up with these plans to keep people that they're ruling over under bondage. Sometimes employers devise a wicked plan to keep a particular person who has earned a promotion from getting it and give the promotion to the, their friend instead or to one who bribed them. Yeah, governments may create laws to benefit themselves rather than the people they were sworn into office to serve. This is why heaven says in 1 Timothy 2 to pray for those in authority so we can live peaceable lives 
We can't live peaceful lives if a wicked plan is being carried out. That's why I'm always praying for every political leader. I pray for the president, vice president, the families. I pray for every political leader from the federal down to the state and local levels. That is my phrase that I say. I'm asking God to pray, touch their hearts, touch their minds, that they, whatever bills or laws that are coming into play, let it benefit the people and not lace their pockets. That's that's the prayer. As we have to pray for our government authority. We have to pray for our government. Even though we know that, you know, there's some crooked people in there. We ask that there'll be a switch, that it be a Holy Ghost takeover in the White House. I pray that prayer that God will move, that the spirit of God will move in the White House and move across the hearts of the people that are in position. That is the prayer. And that is the prayer that we as people of God need to pray. We need to pray. We, we, the Christians, God's people need to pray for the government. We need to pray. The Bible says, if my people who are called by my name, humble themselves and pray, we have to humble ourselves and pray. We, we can't depend on the, the, the people in that office to pray. We can't depend on the people in that office to do right. We have to pray and ask God to move. And we have to be in a position of repentance and, and turn from our wicked ways and seek him. We, the people, if my people who are called by my name, not the president, not the vice president, not those, the senator or the governor of Congress, not them, us, we, it is our responsibility. It is our duty to pray for the government, to pray for the United States of America. We are to pray for it. Ain't nobody else doing it. So this is where we make an impact. This is where we make a change on our knees. So, um, in family systems, Sometimes parents create future plans for their children without their consent that aren't for the benefit of the children, but for the parents. Some people live through their children. You always see on TV where, you know, um, oh, what was it? What was the last thing we saw where, um, what was that? There was a Christmas movie we saw. Oh, there was two of them. Remember the movie with Jennifer Garner and the funny guy? It was family switch. They wanted the daughter to go. Um, they wanted her to go somewhere and she wanted to do something different. They had her life all pegged out that she was going to be a lawyer and she was going to follow her mother's footsteps and, and all this. So she was living through her daughter's life and her daughter's like, I don't want to do that. I want to do, I want to play soccer. I want to okay. go huh i was about to say that she wanted to play soccer yeah yeah but her mom had her life already pegged and even in the other one the one with um with eddie murphy where the daughter they they had the scouts remember the scouts came from notre dame they thought they were coming from usc they had already had her pegged out she's gonna go to usc our alma mater and you know and gonna work go to school you know just like we did at the same college that we went to and she's like i want to go to notre dame <laughs> so it's like you know that's a wicked plan when you try to live your life through your children that's why i don't do that i let them do whatever they want to do I tell them if they're wrong though. Nah, that ain't you ain't supposed to be doing all that. But I mean, <laughs> but it, that's what they want to do. That's what they want to do. I don't agree with it, but whatever you want to do, that's it. Then all right. But yeah. But that's a wicked plan when when we see that and we and and it's and some people, some parents don't realize it. They just trying to protect their children they're trying to make sure that they provide a good life that they will you know you know come out okay come out on top have a career you know look at me I'm making six figures in my career by all means you need to go and 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 do the same thing I'm doing like my daughters that's like me telling them y'all gonna go be nurses y'all gonna work in dialysis like your mama did and, and, and go to nursing school and, and I'm a plan, you know, plan, peg it all out for them. I told them once, I said, don't you want to be a nurse? 
uh-uh, no, I can't stand blood. I said, okay. <laughs> that was it in that conversation. <laughs> Poor Joy was like, mm-mm, mm-mm. And Charmaine told me, I can't stand the side of blood. I said, okay, never mind. <laughs> Forget it. <laughs> y'all do what y'all want to do. And they love what they do. And and I'm happy for them. And I'm very proud of both of them because they have succeeded in what they wanted to be. And now they're living their lives. So, yeah. So, um, for example, okay, here's the benefit of the parent. For example, a low-income parent living on public assistance will devise a wicked plan to cause their children who are close to leaving the home for adult life to never leave so the parent can receive a monthly government aid check. Thus, generation of poverty, generations of poverty are created. So, yeah, that's another thing, what they do. They keep the kids home. They won't let them live their adult lives. They keep them home. There are many other examples of the ways wicked plans are put into effect. Pray and ask the Holy Spirit to reveal any curses where wicked plans have been in effect in your family bloodline and begin the process of breaking them by praying the following prayer. Yes. So that's another prayer for wicked plans to be destroyed in the family and the bloodline. Because we don't want to be held by the system. We don't want the system holding us down. Amen. Amen. Running to evil. What time is it? Oh, it's, oh, we got, oh, okay. We're almost done. Oh, so let me ask you this. Do you guys want to stop here? Because it's 840. What y'all want to do? Because we still got five, six, and seven to do. We can pick it up next week. Yeah, let's pick it up next week. Because, we, you know, we already said we didn't want to rush through. And the those are, like, really good points, these last ones. Yeah, okay. All right. Ultimately, y'all just. That's my two cents. I agree. I mean, we can we can stop here because it is eight forty, and I do want to be cognizant of the time. Um, and like you said, yeah, these these all of them are. That's why you know, yeah, it's very important. So my here here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna stop here. I'm gonna ask you to go back, revisit the first four. You know, take some time. I hope you guys took time to really really read. And if you find yourself in these things, I mean, take time out to pray, stop and pray, stop and pray, repent, you know, renounce and, 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 and ask God to forgive. Cause I had to do that on a couple of these. Cause I found myself, I was like, look, God, look, I'm sorry. Even if it looked like it, I felt like it, but I was guilty. I prayed <laughs> cause I, I don't, I don't, I don't want God to hate what I'm doing. And that is an abomination in his sight and that it brings about a curse because these are serious. People don't take these seven abominations serious, but they are very, very serious. So um, you want to make sure that you are not found in this category because it goes on from here. It goes on from the um, levels of depravity and then, you know, special curses and say it goes deeper this chapter really really starts to get into some stuff so yeah i want to stop here so we'll pick up at number five running to evil on next week okay so uh pastor john if you don't mind if you could uh dismiss us please on tonight Dear Heavenly Father, God, we thank you, God, for bringing us together, God, to be able to learn of you. And God, we pray, God, in the name of Jesus, that if we be found in any of these things, God, that you would search our hearts, God, search us and just reveal unto us anything that may be lurking on the inside, God, even if it's something that we have not noticed yet, God, just help us, God, to be able to get ourselves right because we want to live right before you, God. And God, we thank you, God, for all that you are doing and all that you are teaching us. And we pray that you just continue to move us forward in you. And God, we thank you. And we just pray that you forever get the praise, the glory, and the honor. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Amen.
Thank you for joining us on tonight. We pray that you are encouraged and inspired. If you desire to be a blessing to the ministry, you may do so by sending a love gift to www.paypal.me forward slash VLCC or through our cash app, which is the dollar sign VLCC Life. We also invite you to stop by our website by clicking on the link. May God bless you and may your day always be victorious.